0: Today, we're looking specifically at the power of the Holy Spirit to give us spiritual armor to defend against the devil and his attempts to thwart the mission of God. So as we begin, as I'm standing in a park in St. Louis, I just want to say, hey, welcome to the battle. We've got one. We're in the thick of one right now, whether you realize it or not. And I want you guys to be aware of what's going on in, in, with the devil and the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is equipping us with the armor of God. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. So our main point is this, as we walk by the Spirit and submit to his power within us, we are empowered to defend against the devil in his attempts to thwart the mission of God. So we're gonna talk about three points today. We're gonna to talk about, we have an enemy who seeks to destroy. We have a savior who protects. And we have a spirit who empowers. So let's begin by looking at Ephesians 6. We have an enemy who seeks to destroy. Ephesians 6, 10 to 11 says these words. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So Paul is writing to his friends in Ephesus. In the first three chapters, he's all talking about the work of Jesus for the followers. Of Jesus. So he's talking about all the things that Jesus does for us, all the things that God the Father does for us, all the things the Holy Spirit does for us. And then he goes into chapters four through six, talk about all the practical outworkings of that. And so he's just finished talking about key elements of how the gospel practically works in our lives as it relates to our marriages, as it relates to our family, as it relates to our business relationships, as it relates to our parenting. And then he ends the book, with this concept of spiritual warfare putting on the armor of God. And he really wants to open our eyes to the reality of spiritual warfare. And one of the first things that we have to understand as we are understanding how the Holy Spirit equips us with spiritual armor, is that we have an enemy called the devil. This is Satan, okay? I want to be very clear, when you think about Satan, that is the devil, that is the enemy of God. He once was an angel. So before the world was created, sometime in eternity past, we don't know when he was a created being. Um, and, and he was an angel and he was meant to sing praises to God, but he wanted to usurp God. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be God, worshiped as God. And so he rebelled against God. He took a third of the angels with them. They became demons. And that he is actively working in the world to wage a war against God and against God's people and against God's plans. Okay. So he's actively waging war against God, against God's people and against uh, God's plans. He's the serpent that was In the Garden of Eden, in the first few chapters of Genesis, that tempted Eve to eat of the fruit, who then gave it to her passive husband Adam right next to her, and he's actually currently working to scheme against us. Look at that word again. It says, uh, "So that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil." This idea of scheme is really interesting. I looked it up because I was like, "I wonder what that word is," and it's methodeia. It's the word that you and I get from methodological or methods. Right? There are methods. To Satan's schemes against us. He has methods and craftiness and a strategy. He's not some red horned devil with a pitchfork. He comes looking like something seductive, he comes looking like something beautiful. And actually, he has carefully crafted plans to completely destroy you. He has carefully crafted plans to completely destroy you. And we have an enemy who seeks to destroy followers of Jesus and also people who don't yet follow Jesus to keep them out of the kingdom. And so I just want to, there's so many things that Satan is doing, but in order for us to understand the armor of God, we must first have to understand what we're defending ourselves against. We have to know our enemy well. And there's just four things I kind of want to elevate or raise the surface about the work of the devil and what he's doing, what Satan is doing to thwart us, to fight against God and God's plans and God's people. The first thing that Satan does is he's working against you to destroy you. Look with me at 1 Peter 5.8. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So Satan is working in the world, roaming the world. He's using his his demons. He's using spiritual forces of darkness, seeking to devour you, seeking to destroy you. And he wants to destroy you through sin. He wants to destroy you through accusation, like having you feel shame and guilt. He wants to destroy you through besetting addictions. He wants you to destroy you through pride and trying to do it yourself and not relying on God. So Satan is actively working against you to destroy you. Secondly, he's working to manipulate you to do his will. So look with me at 2 Timothy 2. Um, And I tried to make this text clear by just adding some brackets to clarify the pronouns here. It says the Lord's servant with gentleness should correct those who are in opposition. So essentially he's telling Paul's writing to his friend, Timothy, and he's saying, Hey, you need to correct those who are opposed to the gospel. Why? That they, so that they may come to their senses, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. Listen to this, having been held captive by him to do his will. My friends, Satan wants to captivate you, and then he wants to hold you captive, and he wants to manipulate you to accomplish his goal and purposes in the world, which is to destroy God's kingdom and God's people. So he wants to captivate you. He wants to draw you in. He wants to draw you in with sex. He wants to draw you in with money. He wants to draw you in with overworking. He wants to draw you in into worshiping your children. Any false God to get you from worshiping the true God, he wants to captivate you and he wants to capture you. He wants to enslave you. And he wants to make you as a slave to do his will and not God's will. He wants to manipulate you to do his will. Third, it's Satan is working to hide all of this activity from you. So if you know about it, you can become aware of it and fight against it. So look with me. At Ephesians 6, 12, actually, this is Paul saying, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, let me be clear, very clear here. Satan and God are not equal forces fighting and we don't know the outcome. That is not the case. Um, God is the supreme being in the universe. And he has allowed Satan to have a limited amount of control in the world. To ultimately accomplishes God's purpose and God's redemptive purposes. So God has a plan of redemption, and this is actually why our church is called Redeeming Hope, because we have a hope of God's redemption, and His redemption is a redeeming hope. It's buying hope back when it's been captured. So God actually is allowing Satan to work in the world in very limited ways, and Satan actually has to uh, Satan can't do anything that God does not allow him to do. But somehow, in some way, in God's providence, he's allowing Satan to work in the world to accomplish God's purposes in the world. But I, I will say it's very easy to look around the world, and it's easy to think that this is kind of all there is, and then I have a, a father in heaven who loves me, right? So it's very easy to just kind of look in the world, this beautiful park that we're in, this beautiful you know, archway that's behind me, seeing innovation and creativity and beauty in the world, and say, well, this world is beautiful, and then I have a God who loves me. And, and actually to, to kind of go to sleep to this battle that's around us, that there is a force of darkness. And, and that is not the case. There is a battle for your soul. And the hardest battle to fight is the one we don't know that's happening, right? So you can't fight a battle you don't know. And you can't find an enemy you don't understand right? And so the longer you have been passive in this fight or asleep to the fight around you or unaware of the fight that's going on, the harder it is to orient to the battle and the longer it takes to join in, right? So Satan's strategy is to just keep you in the dark about what he's doing. And what he does is he makes good things, God things. He takes good things to replace the seat of God in your heart, like your children, like work, like family, like success, like money, like sex, all these things that God created for good. He likes to then consume us with them to captivate us, to then capture us, and then make us do his will in the world. And he wants to hide all this from you. So he's working against you to destroy you. He's working to manipulate you to do his will. He's working to hide all of this activity from you. And finally, he's working to keep people from thriving in the good news of Jesus. So look with me at 2 Corinthians 4, four. In their case, the God of this world, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan wants to keep all of us, both followers of Jesus and not yet followers of Jesus, from seeing the light of the gospel. He wants to captivate us into darkness. The enemy of God, Satan, does not want you to hear the message Believe it's true for you and obey it by making Jesus Lord over your life. Because that would mean you'd be worshiping God instead of himself. And He and Satan wants you to worship him. Satan wants you to accomplish his goals. Because remember, he wanted to be God. And he wanted to assume God's role in the world. And so the enemy of God wants to pull you away. So if you're with us as a church and you feel the pull to withdraw, that that just doesn't always feel natural, right? Because when you engage in group and reading the Bible and praying and showing up to the gathering, you thrive. But then there's this thing where it's like, you don't want to do that. Some odd reason, it's hard to read your Bible. Some odd reason, it's hard to show up to group. Some odd reason, it's hard to tune into the online gatherings or show up in person. Why? Why? it's because there's supernatural forces fighting against you. There's your own flesh, there's your own sin and natural drift, right? But then there's also the enemy fighting against you. So whether or not, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, it can be a struggle to surrender your life to him, right? And if you are a follower of Jesus, Sometimes we don't want to be challenged to change, to be humble, right? So if you're struggling right now, I want you to know that there's internal forces from your own heart, but there's external forces from Satan, from the devil, keeping you from the scripture, keeping you from time with Jesus in prayer, keeping you away from God and keeping you locked in your pride, thinking that you can do it yourself. Look, my friends, and I'm even going to put this on the screen. Satan is methodically planning, scheming, and working to destroy your life, your marriage and this church plan. He's doing it. I can see it. I can see his work trying to destroy this church plant, trying to destroy marriage, just trying to destroy your life. And he's got a lot of experience and a lot of time and a lot of help to do it. And if you choose to follow Jesus, you can join this fight, but it's still gonna be hard. And there's many of you watching this that I've had the privilege to lead to faith, right? There's many of you that I've had the privilege to pray with and encourage you to choose to follow Jesus. And if you remember, I've told you something. Every one of you have said this. I said, your life might get more difficult this week now that you've chosen to follow Jesus because you're actually in the fight. You're starting to become aware and you become a target. You have a target on your back. You see, attacking you when you're vulnerable is a key strategy of the devil. And so if you're struggling, more things might come into your life to pull you away from intimacy and unity with God. And it is hard, but we have to stay faithful. We have to stay in the word, put on the armor of God. We have to recognize this battle. Remember, and I'm gonna put this up again, Satan is methodically planning. He's scheming. He is working to destroy your life, your marriage, and this church plan. And he's got a lot of experience and he's got a lot of time and he's got a lot of help to do it. So the first point is kind of depressing. We have an enemy who seeks to destroy. However, but there's a big but here. We gotta, we gotta wait. We gotta look at the scriptures because this is the beauty of the armor of God. But we have a savior who protects. Ephesians 6, 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done it all to stand firm. It's saying, take up the whole armor of God. Now, when we first read that, it kind of seems like we have to do the work, don't we? It kind of seems like we have to do the fighting if God wants us to put on the armor. And I will say that there is an element where God is calling us and equipping us to be faithful, right? To put on the armor. But my friends, we would be remiss if we didn't see that there is something deeper going on here. As we look at the armor of God, We find parallels to Jesus in his work to protect us in every single verse. Every single element of the armor of God has already been accomplished for us in Jesus. So our job is putting on the armor, kind of more in a passive role to receive the work of Christ on our behalf. It's actually Jesus's job to win the war and fight the battle for us. So I want to enter into this by saying Jesus has already done the work to win the war, And it's our job to put on the armor and stand firm. So Ephesians 6, 14, let's let's read the armor of God and then I'm gonna walk through very briefly about how each one of these elements of the armor of God have been fulfilled in Christ. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith With which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, let's begin. The first thing he says is put on the belt of truth. Now, what's so beautiful is that Jesus talks all the time about how he is the embodiment of truth. You want the belt of truth? Jesus is the belt, he's the shirt, he's the pants, he's the shoes. He's the whole outfit of truth. Look with me at, at, uh, at John 14, 6. Jesus said to them, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth that we're supposed to take on. So you put on the belt of truth. Second, breastplate of righteousness. Well, uh, It's so crazy because I was doing some research on this, and there's like almost every one of these. Paul must have been reading Isaiah when he wrote this book because he's Thinking about Isaiah and the prophecies of the Messiah, because there's so many crazy prophecies that Paul is referencing as he's writing this to the Ephesians. Look with me at Isaiah 59:17. This is just a portion of a, of a text. I'd love to encourage you to go back and read. It says, "He put on righteousness." as a breastplate. Now, the, the broader context is, is, is verse, uh, verses 15 to 17 of Isaiah 59. If you have a few minutes, just go back and read those because it essentially says that God saw injustice in the world and that his own action was to come and bring salvation by putting on a breastplate of righteousness. Now, this is kind of one, Christianity 101 is we don't generate our own rightness. We don't generate our own goodness. We actually take on the rightness, the righteousness, the goodness that Jesus has secured for us, right? So we see that Jesus's righteousness is what we put on, not our own. So this isn't our armor. It's Jesus's armor. His righteousness is what's protecting our core. That's amazing. So it says belt of truth. Jesus is the truth. Breastplate of righteousness. It's Jesus's righteousness. Then then you put on your shoes to be shod with the gospel of peace. So it's really interesting, but it's it's so fascinating because in Isaiah 52, it says these words, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. That's what the gospel means. Gospel means good news. Who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your king reigns. This is a prophecy about Jesus. Because it's saying that, that, that someone's going to bring such amazing news, such good news of peace, and he's going to run around the whole world and share this, that, that it's just kind of this poetic way of saying his feet are beautiful. People welcome him. His stinky feet look beautiful in light of this amazing news of peace and good news that God's coming in, bringing his salvation. It's prophesying about Jesus. It's saying that this is exactly what Jesus does. He comes to claim the kingdom. He comes to claim himself as king when it says your God reigns. This is the message of the person that's bringing this good news. Your God reigns. Jesus is saying, this is my kingdom. I'm the king and I'm here to save you, to set you free. And then we see it in Ephesians 2, that God is our peace. Look with me, for he, Jesus himself is our peace. And he came, Jesus came and preached peace to those who are far off and peace to those who are near. Jesus is the one who preached the gospel of peace. So we're shod to put on the message of Jesus. We put the message of Jesus on our feet. We, so that we can move forward, and share the good news. And it says, put on the shield of faith that will protect us against the flaming darts of the evil one. Well, what's so interesting is that in and of ourselves, we don't have the capacity to have faith, right? But Jesus is faithful for us. Second Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Jesus is faithful for us. His faith is what protect us. So we don't put on our own faith, we don't put on our own energy or efforts. It's actually Jesus is the one that we put on Jesus's faith. We put on Jesus's faithfulness. Then it says the helmet of salvation. So remember going back to that passage where I says that there was a prophecy where God would see the injustice in the world and then come in with his right arm of salvation. He would put on the breastplate of righteousness. So this, the very next phrase after that, it says he put on a breastplate, righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. Remember, this is the prophecy of Jesus who is going to be clothed with salvation for us. It's his activity, not ours. And finally, he actually tells us this amazing thing. He says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, what's interesting about this is that this is the only offensive weapon in the armor of God, right? It's the only offensive weapon. Everything else is defense. And we see that this is the Scriptures and the Spirit working together. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the Scriptures— And also the word of God, who is Jesus himself. Look with me at Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. My friends, the scriptures, the word of God, are vital to the Christian as an offensive weapon against the forces of darkness. If you're feeling spiritual attack, if you're feeling spiritual oppression, you go to the scriptures. You gotta have the scriptures in your life, right? And not only that, but then the spirit empowers and equips the scripture to be effective by his active empowerment, right? So we understand the scriptures through the spirit We discern the Spirit through the Scriptures. They work in tandem. They work together. You can't have one without the other. And why? All of this is accomplished. The fact that we're even able to have the Bible is accomplished because Jesus is the Word of God made flesh among us. That's John 1. says Jesus is the Word, God himself incarnate. So as a recap, and I'm going to put it on the screen here, um, as a recap, the belt of truth is Jesus' truth. The breastplate of righteousness. Jesus' earned righteousness. Shoes of the good news of peace. Jesus' message of peace. Shield of faith. Jesus' faithfulness to us and for us. The helmet of salvation. Jesus' salvation given to us. The sword of the Spirit the Word of God is Jesus' Word and Jesus' Spirit. My friends, what we see very plainly and clearly here is that Jesus' armor is what we put on, not our own. Now, we know we're not, now there's a way to read the Bible where we can just kind of read Jesus into every little verse and have it not make sense within the context. But I really do believe we are being faithful to the text. And it goes back to the first verse we read and in, in, a Hebrew, in, in, in Ephesians 6.10. Look with me at what it says. Finally, be strong. What? Be strong in the Lord and the strength of whose might? His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It's Jesus' strength. It's Jesus's might, it's Jesus's armor. And really what it is, is it's Jesus's armor earned and crafted and forged in the fires of God's judgment that was poured out on Jesus. And so because of that, God's grace and protection is given to us to use against Satan. So we have a savior who has already done the work to protect us. And finally we see, we have a spirit who empowers. My friends, you and I, if we are choosing to follow Jesus, we have an indwelling spirit who empowers us to withstand the devil and engage in spiritual warfare as we pray. I want us to be so clear on this, that he wraps up uh, the armor of God with talking about prayer. And it's so important for us to grasp. Ephesians 6, 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So just to recap where we're coming from, there's a battle going on for you, regardless of whether where you are in your spiritual journey. There's a battle for your soul. Jesus has won the war for you, and he's forged spiritual armor for you to put on if you're a follower of Jesus. Now, here's the deal. Your activity is to submit and to surrender to God and place this armor on consistently to be empowered to fight the methods and strategies of Satan to destroy you. So, this is why prayer is really important, guys, because prayer equals submission. And this is why I talked about the armor of God after we talked about prayer last week. So if you didn't get a chance to check out last week's message, it was the whole message was on prayer. It was on about how prayer is really us surrendering humbly to God. And we talked about prayer, and, and the definition of prayer was that it's, constant, it's conscious personal communication with God who has revealed himself in the scriptures and through his spirit. Well, this is key to putting on the armor of God, friends. Like Jesus has earned this armor. He has forged this armor for you. It's custom built for your needs, but you have to put it on. How do you put it on? Humility. Prayer. Prayer is going to God and saying, I can't do this myself. I can't. And I need your help, right? Like prayer is not just asking God for things. So if you're praying God, to God and you're just asking him for things, you're missing out on a huge element of what prayer could be in your life. You see, it's not your armor. So you got to rely on somebody else to come and fit you into it, right? And prayer is the humility. It's saying you can't do it yourself. And that's how you are empowered by the Holy Spirit in prayer. As you go to the Holy Spirit in prayer, as you seek the Holy Spirit, as you pray to him to empower you and equip you, he will do it. And he does do it. As you are humble and surrender and submit, because if you're prideful and you're arrogant and you think you can do it yourself, what's going to happen is that you're not going to put on the armor that God has forged for you. The Holy Spirit is not empowering you because you're resisting it. You're quenching him. And then all of a sudden you're going to be attacked and you're not going to have that shield to defend against his fiery arrows that are coming after you. And he is attacking you. Don't get me wrong. He is attacking you. He's after you, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. So here's the deal. If you're, a follow, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you're tuning in with us, and you look back over the course of your life, you look back over the course of your relationship with God, and you can't find a moment where you have obeyed Jesus by making him a Lord over your life. You're not a Christian yet. And that's okay. I want you to know that it's okay that you're watching this, but I want you to take the next step towards Jesus and put a stake in the ground. There is a battle going on for your soul, and you matter to God. You matter so much that you were sought by Jesus. He came and lived a perfect life. He died for you, and he has given you access to his salvation, and then he's given you access to his spirit that wants to armor you, that wants to protect you from the forces of the evil one. But you're also sought after by Satan. He wants to captivate you, capture you, and use you to do his will instead of God's, because he's trying to wage a war against God and use you in the process, manipulate you. And he wants to control the world. And so 1 John 3, 8 actually gives us this beautiful picture. It says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus is destroying and has destroyed the work of the devil, even though he is seeking to destroy you. So the devil is seeking to destroy you. Jesus has destroyed the works of the devil. And one day he will ultimately conquer over Satan and death and hell and rule and reign for eternity. So here's the deal. You can receive the work of Jesus and come into his victory. And, and I talked about this like a year and a half ago as we were in our Luke series. You can be a slave. Everyone in this world is a slave. You're either a slave to Satan and sin or a slave to Jesus. You're either a slave to be in bondage to accomplish the will of Satan or you're a slave to God to accomplish his will, which is ultimately for your benefit and the thriving of God in the world and God's love and peace and grace to live in that, right? So you can either be a slave to Satan or slave to God. Either one, you can be in darkness, you can be in light. So the question is, will you move into the light? Will you commit your life to Jesus, surrender and submit and say, Jesus, I put my stake in the ground. I make you Lord over my life. If you do that, then you become a Christian. Then you have access to all these incredible gifts. Now, here's the deal. If you're joining us and you are a follower of Jesus, right? There's still a battle for your obedience. If Satan can't have you for hell, he'll want you to live in hell on earth. We say it again, if Satan can't have you for hell, he will make you want, He will make you live in hell on earth. And he has carefully crafted plans to destroy you. He wants to destroy you with sin, with addiction, with pride. He has carefully crafted plans to manipulate you to do his will instead of God's. He wants you to rebel. He wants you to run when you're confronted with sin. He wants you to hide. He wants you to hide from your pastor. He wants you to hide from your group. He wants you to hide from your spouse, he wants you to hide from your children. He wants you to rebel because he wants to manipulate you. He has carefully crafted plans to convince you that he isn't real. So he's constantly trying to distract you with video games, with television, with distraction, with besetting sins that take up a lot of time and energy. He wants to distract you from those things. And then he wants to fill you with a self-reliant pride that rejects the good news of Jesus, that Jesus has done the work for you. So here's the deal. Jesus has established you. He's done the work. He's crafted the armor, right? But you need to submit and surrender to his work for you. 2 Thessalonians 3.3, this is the hope, right? But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil. one. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. You can run from his protection and you'll cast off the armor that he's forged for you. And then you're going to be lying on the ground and Satan's just going to kick you while you're down or you can lean in and fight with the power of God that Jesus has already secured for you, the Holy Spirit equips you and empowers you consistently, and you can fight this battle together. So the question is, how do you turn to the Spirit to fight well? So how do you fight well? Three things, just real simple. I tell them to you almost every week. We just gotta do them. Do them consistently and you'll fight well. One, be in the scriptures and with the Spirit consistently. You have to pray in humility. You have to be humbly reading the scriptures so that you will change. So you'll become more like Jesus. So just read the scriptures consistently in humility, surrendering to the scriptures, surrendering to the God of the scriptures, and then pray humbly with the spirit. Confess your sins, confess your thoughts before God. See his love and care for you as you spend time with him. Second, be in a group to fight the work of the devil together. Like you can't do it on your own. No no long-ranger Christian can accomplish the work. You can't be obedient to the commandments of Jesus to be a lone range Christian. So you gotta be in a group where you're with people who are fighting this battle with you to gather shoulder to shoulder. Finally, be in a gathering to hear the truth in a world of lies. Satan is the father of lies and he is constantly chirping at you. He's constantly speaking to you through social media, telling you you're not good enough through your own doubts and questions at night when you're staring at the, the ceiling, right? Feeling shame or guilt for everything that you've ever done wrong, right? He's constantly trying to lie to you, telling you that work is more important than your family, that your family is more important than time with Jesus, that, that you can even get your own righteousness by spending a bunch of time with Jesus, but doing it for the wrong reasons, right? So you can show your own pride in there. He's constantly lying to you. So what you need is a consistent staple point in your week where you're hearing the word of God preached to you from a pastor that loves you and cares about you, whether that's me or if you're in a local church, if you're in a a local context that's not in Clarksville, go to another church where the pastors can be preaching for you, praying for you. Like you need that. We need that reminder. I need the reminder. Like I watch these sermons. I'll record them and I know it might seem weird to some people. It doesn't seem weird to me. I kind of take like a third person perspective. I pull out my Bible and notes and and watch these sermons because I need to hear this message too because I'm constantly being lied to by my own heart and by the work of Satan in the world. So be in the scriptures and with the spirit consistently, be in a group to fight the work of the devil together, be in a gathering to hear the truth in a world of lies. As we do this, we fight the schemes, we fight the methodology of the devil with humility, not with pride with the armor that Jesus has forged for us, we are empowered by the spirit of God to accomplish the will of our father. And as we are obedient, then what we'll find is the promise of Romans 16, 20 will become more and more real and enter more and more into our reality. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. We have the victory, friends. Let's grasp it this week. Let's spend time in the scriptures. Let's spend time in prayer. Come to group. Stay faithful in it. Watch these sermons. Be reminded of the truth of God. Submit to Him in humility. Surrender. Submit. And you'll find that you'll have a power beyond anything you ever could have imagined. I love you, friends. From St. Louis, I greet you, and I'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening. We gather every Sunday at the Clarksville area YMCA. For more information, please go to our website at redeeminghope.org.